0: Please turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. If you're wondering where the Gospel of Luke is, it's in your New Testament, second half of your Bible, we're gonna be looking at Luke chapter one this morning. Luke is the third book in your New Testament, and we've been doing a series here at Thrive that we've been really excited about. It's called A Luke at Christmas. Everyone, say A Luke at Christmas. That's not a spelling mistake. That's intentional. It's the cheesiest name we've ever had for any sermon series we've ever done here at Thrive. But hopefully, it's so cheesy that you can remember it. Because the fact is this we find in the Gospel of Luke the most powerful, the most detailed, the most thorough. Quite possibly the most important account of the Christmas story that you'll ever find. If you really want to know the true meaning of Christmas, you've got to look at the Gospel of Luke. If you want to truly understand why was Jesus born, you've got to look at the Gospel of Luke. That's why we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke together. And together as a church family, we've been taking a look at Christmas. Your neighbors say, take a look at Christmas. Fantastic. I know, I know. It sounds kind of cheesy, but the fact is this, is that when we take a look at Christmas together, our lives are never the same, and we're going to be doing that together over the, past next, uh, over the past few weeks we've been doing that, and over the next few weeks we'll be doing that as well, leading up to Christmas. Have you guys enjoyed this series so far? We've had a lot of fun in this series so far. Uh, this morning, we have a very special guest in our midst, Pastor Jorge Lynn. He's uh, always a blessing when he's here. He and his wife, uh, lovely wife Emily, uh, are uh, friends of ours, and we're glad to have him here this morning. And Pastor Jorge, he's going to be uh, sharing uh, from the next passage we're looking at the Gospel of Luke. I'll let him share a bit more about that, but would you please give a very warm, warm welcome, a warm, thrive welcome to Pastor Jorge Lynn as he shares the message with us this morning. Let's give a big hand this morning. Good morning. Thank you for the
1: warm welcome, as always. It's great to be here, uh, back here so soon. So it's great to see you guys. Uh, Today we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to that. And as you're turning to that, I want to give you a bit of a background of where we're at in this story here of Christmas. Now, this is a passage that is a pause in the story of Christmas. It sits right after the foretelling of both the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus, and just before the actual birth of John the Baptist and Jesus. It is a story about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the, mari- the mother of John the Baptist. A story of how they model for us the faithfulness of being part of God's plan and promises. But it is also a story about the Lord fulfilling the promises to Mary and her son to be born, Jesus Christ. And so as we're reading this today, as we're reading this passage, we need to consider the following. How is this story preparing us for the story of Christmas? And how does it introduce us to our Savior, Jesus Christ? Who is this Jesus, Son of God, that is promised to come in the story of Christmas? What is great about his coming And why is it so important today that this passage is here? Because Christmas is more than just gift exchanges. It's about a particular gift. A gift that is now so-called immortalized in this passage by Mary, who sings about Jesus. This is the gift, Jesus Christ. So as we read the story today, let's keep an open mind to what it means to live the promises of God. So, our story today opens just after the encounter between the angel Gabriel and Mary. Now, the angel Gabriel tells Mary that she will conceive a child and give birth to a child called the Son of the Most High. The angel also tells Mary, as a way of encouragement, that her relative Elizabeth, who is in advanced age, is pregnant and will soon have a child. This child we know as John the Baptist, which... It was foretold to them as well by the same angel. Now, what is interesting is that when this angel tells Mary uh, that her relative is pregnant, in that same breath, he says, nothing is impossible with God. And in your NIV Bible, it says, for the word from God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. And so Mary, likely encouraged by the words of the angel, travels to a city in Judea, the house of Zechariah, to meet Elizabeth. She wanted to see for herself the promises fulfilled in Elizabeth. And this is where our passage opens today. Now, before we read our verses, I have a question for you. Do you believe that nothing is impossible with God? Do you believe that nothing is impossible with God? Great. So do you believe that God can do the impossible in your life. Amen. I honestly have trouble with that sometimes because it really depends on how impossible it is, right? <laughs> and if, 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 you know, when we read this from the Bible, we're like, yeah, that's possible. But when I'm thinking about it from my, in my life, sometimes I wonder and I doubt. And it's always easier in retrospect when things already happen that I say yes nothing is impossible with God he's done that in the past for me but what if it has not happened yet do we believe do we believe in the plans that God has for us do we believe if there are signs or confirmations do we believe if someone comes and tells us and confirms the call of God in our lives would that be enough See, Mary wanted to see for herself what the angel said to her, maybe because by seeing Elizabeth, Mary would get some kind of confirmation that what the angel told her was true. Or maybe she was simply curious to get together with someone who already also received the promises of God. So this is what happens, and let's read our verses together. Verse 39, it says this, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby lived in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among the women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of his greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb lived for joy. Blessed is the one she who believes that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Verse 48, for he has been mindful of my humble this humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. <coughs> his great mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm and has scattered those who are proud. Thank you. <laughs> that was good. So, as we read the story, Mary arrived to the house of Zechariah. She found Elizabeth pregnant, like the angel said, and it was a surprise, right? Maybe. Maybe it was. But what happens next is more surprising, and you probably have trouble believing if you're not a Christian, okay? So what happens is, as Mary greets Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps with joy. And in that moment, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she realizes that Mary is the mother, is carrying in her womb the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Elizabeth breaks down in praise, and, and, and she says in an act of humility, she bows down and says, you are the mother of our Lord. And she calls Mary blessed. After that, we, sing, we see that Mary sings. She breaks out in song, and she sings about one of the most beautiful things that we'll talk about soon. So this, there are three things that we need to notice in this beginning about Mary and is that she received three confirmations that the Lord will fulfill his plan in her life or what I like to call three reasons there are three reasons why that lead Mary to sing of her faith the first one is that Elizabeth is pregnant she saw that and when she arrives he gets that confirmation that the words of the angel are true and if the angel and if if Uh, god if um if god could fulfill the promises to elizabeth in her old age knowing that elizabeth has been barren all these years then god can surely fulfill his promises to her as well now what we learn from here an aspect that we learn for ourselves practically is that if god can fulfill the promises to others then he can do it for us as well but if that is not enough elizabeth praises mary for being the mother of the lord that is another affirmation of the promise fulfilled to her. See, what prompted the leap in the baby in her womb and then being filled by the Holy Spirit is that Elizabeth humbled herself to the role of a servant. And she does this when she recognizes in verse 42 and 43 that Mary is the mother of the Lord, uh, that Mary is, will bear a child and she's blessed among all women. See, what is worth pointing out is that in this recognition, she humbles herself. Culturally, in their culture, the younger person initiates the greeting towards the older. So what we see is Mary the younger greets Elizabeth first because she's the younger. But notice this. As soon as Elizabeth recognizes Mary and the Holy Spirit tells her, Mary is the mother of the Lord, the tables turn, so to speak, and Elizabeth realizes that she is now the one who should humble herself because the mother of the Lord is in front of her. Mary is more superior than her. And so this is another confirmation for Mary, a practical aspect for us. We learn that sometimes God sends and uses people to encourage us in unexpected ways. But And then then we see a third sign here, a third confirmation for Elizabeth. Elizabeth proclaims Mary as blessed. What do we mean by that? She says this in verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, what is blessed? Blessed is translated from two different words in the original language, and the fact that both appear in this passage doesn't really help us much it could be a bit confusing see the first part when mary is praising uh, when elizabeth is praising mary and she says blessed are the young woman blessed is this child you will bear is the word which means to praise or to or, or, or use in prayer it is for example when we say may the lord bless you or bless you brother and sister or lord bless the sick bless my friend it is wishing or asking god's favor on someone but the one that we're interested in today is in verse 45, where it says, Blessed is the one, is she who believes that the Lord will fulfill the promises to her. Now, this one translated here as blessed is another word, makarios, which means not asking or wishing, but instead pointing out the happiness and the fortune of someone. For example, Ryan is blessed. Daniel is blessed. Now, this is the same word that is used in, for example, the Beatitudes, where Matthew says, blessed are the meek because they will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the key to understanding this is that this word blessed, in its meaning, is not blessed those who do A so that they will receive B. It is not about encouraging us to do A to receive B. It is instead to affirm that someone is already in that place that someone is already blessed that someone is already happy and fortunate because they have God that is what this blessedness is and so this statement of affirmation to Mary should look like this look at how fortunate and happy is Mary she believed in God's plan for her life look at how humble and happy she is that she believes in God's plan for her life that it will come true Can we say the same thing for ourselves? Are we blessed because we believe that God has a plan for us? Are we blessed that we believe that the plans that He has for us will come true? See, a practical aspect that we can get from this is that sometimes God can send people to affirm and confirm where we are in our current step. And Mary believes because of these signs or confirmations. And she sings. Because of these confirmations. But notice one thing that the biggest part of the impossible is still to be fulfilled. See, Mary is still to see what happens with this encounter with Elizabeth. And it's not until nine months later that the baby will be born, and a couple of years later, until the visit of the wise men. It is also not until 12 years later that she will witness and see Jesus. Speaking wise to other people in the temple and growing up in that direction. But we also need to see something here that is important. Because she didn't have everything. She didn't see the end of this whole story yet. But yet she believed. See, Mary did what many of us might find difficult to do. And that is to humble ourselves to the sign that God has already given us. So blessed is the one who has faith that God's promises will come true. So how about us? I asked earlier that if we believe God can do the impossible for us, and we said yes. What if there are confirmations? What if there are affirmations from people around us? Would that be enough? How many? Three times? Four? Five? The truth is sometimes we want more signs. God, tell me more. Oh, show me more. I... I'm not sure if, 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 if this is true, that you're calling me for this. I'm not sure if you have promises for me. Show me again. Show me again. And we're always asking. Instead, we should be humbling ourselves, like Mary, and say, yes, I think that's enough. I want to trust you, God. I want to walk with you. Because sometimes <coughs> it is in that step of humility that we see God's plan for us. want to share a story with you two months ago something happened to me that changed my life forever i received a call (coughs) excuse me from my sister she sends me a text first and she says do you have time because i really need to talk to you now when my sister sends a text like that means that she's going through something and so like a good brother that i am i reply right away (laughs) and i call her back and i said well what's going on and she says to me I finally get it that's a very weird thing to start with i said like, oh, you finally get what i finally get why you and emily and all those people believe in jesus and i said what do you mean she's like i finally get it i finally get it it's not about rules and regulations it is about jesus it is about his life it is about following him and living his lifestyle that's why you believe and i said yes how do you know this and she told me that she joined this uh, life group Bible study from our neighbor and that she's been going there for a couple of times. And she, as she was taking notes one time and listening to what the leader was saying in the Bible study, all of a sudden it came to her mind that it's not about the rules of great It's about Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden she feels that a veil in front of her was lifted and she could see all of Jesus. She told me that all of a sudden a burden in her shoulders lifted that it seems that her life was going everywhere but now she's going straight in a path you know what she was saying she was saying bible verses that she never heard before right the lord lifts up our burdens right in second corinthians he lifts up our bail when we come to him in proverbs 3 5 to 6 he makes our path straight she was quoting bible verses she never heard before because in her humility She listened to what was being said about God. In her humility, she submitted to the plan that God had for her. That's what we need to do sometimes. Yes, we need confirmation and affirmations that God has a call for us, but a big step is to humble ourselves to that call, to that promise that God has for us. And this is important because we will see very soon that it is the reason why God chose Mary, her posture of humility is the reason why God chose her. And it is also from this posture of humility that Mary sings. So let's see what she sings. I'm going to read it for you again briefly. Verse 46 to 50. And Mary sings or says, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of, my humble, of the humble state of his servant. From now all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends for those who hear him from generation to generation. What is the reason why Mary sings? Because she wants to glorify God. Because in her humility, she sees something about God in her life. And she wants to magnify that. That's the word Uh, uh, translated as glorified in the NIB. She wants to magnify, she wants to make it seen. She wants to tell everybody about it because she receives it and she's joyful, and she wants to tell everybody about the God that she's seeing with her own eyes. And she sings this three things. The first one is the mindfulness of God. Verse 47, she sings that she rejoices in God her savior because 48, God has been mindful of her humble state as a servant but what does that mean humble state humble state sometimes translated as afflicted state or unfavorable condition or very simply lowly See, this term is used in reference to the oppressed people of God in the case of Mary her humble state is her low status that she has in the standards of the world she was simply an ordinary young woman without any particular social status her family from humble origins her husband a carpenter see a contemporary uh, 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 contemporary expression that we have is mary is from humble origins and so mary rejoices that god her savior was mindful of her lowly state her humble origins see god not only knows her but knows her situation and the mindfulness of god is not just God knows her and her situation, but the mindfulness is that He plans to do something about it. That's the God that she sees. <coughs> Mary is a lowly woman, and God, being mindful of her, picked her to fulfill His promises. Not because of any personal worth or any holiness from her part, but simply because of her lowly state as a servant. And so Mary realizes that now, throughout history, she will be called blessed. Why? Because God was mindful of her lowly state. God was mindful of her in the same way that he is mindful of us. He knows where we are at right now. He knows what we need. And his mindfulness has the intent of coming into our lives and changing that. And so Mary sings. And she sings also, <clears throat> that this God is a mighty one that has done great things for her, a holy one. Now, what is this great thing that God has done for her? The virgin conception of Jesus, yes, and the fulfilling of God's plans through her. But know that in, this calling, uh, in, in calling God mighty, she also calls God the holy one. Holy is his name, she says. Now, this doesn't simply refer to God's holiness as he's morally perfect, But as commentator says, this holiness is about God's righteousness and difference from the world. The point is to show us, or the point she's singing about, is that God is different from what our social norms. That while the world would neglect Mary as an ordinary person, God is mindful of her loneliness and picks her. While the world may say that we're not worth anything, God sees extreme value in you. He sees you as somebody who's important to him and he's mindful of you. And so, this God is different. He's unique and he chooses Mary. And finally, he brings uh, uh, one more thing about God and he says this, number, point number three, God extends mercy to those who fear him. Now, the word fear is not in reference for those who are afraid of God, but those who are uh, respectful Those who obey, those who who treat God with reverence. See, God extended the mercy to those who are humble and devout like Mary. Remember the previous verse. God was mindful of Mary's servant state. Mary also shows her devotion originally in our our previous uh, section in in verses 38 when she says, I'm the Lord's servant. Do you see a pattern here? God is mindful, different, merciful towards those who are lowly and humble, towards those who would submit to him in reverence, who would serve him. Maybe it is as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, because God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I don't know about you, but as I was reading this, I was really thinking about myself. God chose me? Have you ever thought about that? Why did God choose you? Why? He chose you because you were humble to him. You responded to him. And there are times that I wonder why he keeps on coming back when I reject him or I'm walking away from him because he's truly mindful of us he truly knows where we're at have you ever thought that it is in our unworthiness that jesus comes to save us and if he did and still does when we need him what does that say about our faith in his plan for our lives what does that say about our promises uh, our faith in his promises for our lives what does it say about how much we should trust the impossible can be done and will be done in our lives? What does that say about our faith in his calling? See, in the context of God's plan for our lives, isn't it interesting that he is mindful of us? Because we are certainly not as mindful of him, at least not unless we need him. He knows where we're at, even when we feel unworthy even when other people don't see us. And that's our next point. The Lord looks for the lowliness of his servants. But there's more to Mary's song. In her humility, she sees more of God, and she sings from this posture of humility. She sings this, verse 51. It says, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their throne, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent away the rich away empty. Now, at first read, it may seem that Mary is singing about God's past actions, but just as, and as a quick aside, a small uh, aside here. This is what is called prophetic perfect in Hebrew, which means Mary is singing now about what she sees will happen with his son, Jesus, later. She's singing now about the glories of Jesus that are to come as if they are already happened, because she knows that it will happen. As a matter of fact, the evidence that she's she's singing about this future is that what she sings in these verses is found as a recurring theme in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and also in Acts. So what does Mary sing in this second part that is important for us to know? Mary sings of this mighty God performing great deeds with his arm. Now what is God's arm? God's arm is basically like his muscle, okay? God's arm in scripture is a symbol of the power and the might of God in reference to saving his people. For example, Exodus 6:6 6, he 6, says, "So therefore to the people of Israel, I will bring you out of the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great acts of judgment." We also see that in other verses where he says, I will scatter your enemies with my mighty arm. Now, one thing for us to notice is that this is done in, in, in context. Uh, this word is mostly in context with God leading his people into salvation. Sound familiar? This is the Messiah, at least at this point in the story, is the anticipated Savior that will lead the people into salvation. So the power of God showed in the Old Testament now is shown in his son Jesus Christ. And it is coming and Mary sings about that and what she sings about tells us much about Jesus. What she sings about in verses 52 and 53 tells us much about Jesus. He lifted up the humble and filled the hungry with good things. Now in the context of this song, we learn that God is mindful for lowly, merciful, and, and for those who revere him. So it's not a surprise that God came to lift up the humble and fill the hungry. But who are these humble and hungry? Basically, the lowly and devout who know that they need Jesus. On the other hand, we see that God's God is the proud. Who are the proud? The proud are the rulers, the people in high authority, because they aren't hungry. They aren't lowly. They are the ones who hold the power and are self-sufficient. They are the ones who do not need help but can rely on their own strength. Now some of you present here today, you probably have good positions of authority in what you're doing. And maybe you're rich. And that's great. It sounds like he's saying Jesus didn't come for you, but that's not what it means. It's not about money. It's not about position you have. It's about how much you need and want God. See, how much... Do you live in this posture of humility and say, I want you, Jesus. I need you. Because he scatters those who don't want him. He scatters those who don't fear him. He scatters those who don't need him. And what this shows us is the contrast between the proud and the lowly. The ones who say, no, I don't want you. And yes, I want you and I need you. We all really need God, whether we know it or not. It's not. It's just a matter of letting God be God and not take over and be God ourselves. But we live in Vancouver, Canada, and sometimes it is very difficult for us to understand what need is, what it means to be hungry, what it means to be poor. Sometimes it is hard because we have everything that we need. And some of you may say, "Well, yeah, but I'm not rich or anything." Well, if you own a home in Vancouver, you are rich, okay, by the standards of the world, you are rich, okay, so I'm going to try to help us understand what this means then, I want to think this through me, okay, it is through with me, so I used to think that if God gives me more, and I have more money, and I have more, whatever, status or everything, that I will give more to God, I used to think that, and I used to tell myself, God, just give me a better job, so that I can tithe more, or give more, and I also heard this from other people, But the reality is that these verses remind us that sometimes that is not true. (laughs) That we tend to think that the more God gives us, the more we will give him. But it's difficult because the more power and money and influence we have, the more we want to do things by ourselves. See, it is easier to take matters in our own hands, right? I want to give you a couple of stories. First, uh, I have a friend, very good friend of mine very nice person and um, a few years ago we went into a mission trip and in that mission trip we were praying with the past local pastor how we can encourage men to come to a bible studies last barbecue and as we were talking about it for five minutes uh, every option that we came uh, we brought up to the pastor the pastor said no that's not going to work so here comes my friend and says okay how much do you need i will pay for all the drinks and all the food they will come And blessed is his heart, but he was taking matters in his own hands. See, what happens when the team leaves? Who's going to pay for that food? Will the people come back again? Right? And he's great. He has the heart to give, and blessed is his heart. But maybe we should pray and say, God, we need you. How can you inspire us to encourage other people to come? Now, I'll give you a contrast story of another one of my friends who has also gone into missions. And this one is about a friend who goes into missions into countries of the Middle East. Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, if you heard of this, but their team sends them in. Once they get off the airplane, they have to hand in their cell phone, their wallets. All, the only thing they keep is their passport and, like, say, 20 bucks Canadian. So enough to for some, a couple of days. But they're there for 10 days. So they need to go out there, and I'm not saying we have to do this, okay? They need to go out there and pray and, and let God lead them. To how to share the gospel. And this friend tells me that there was one time where they ran out of money and they didn't have a place to stay and they didn't know what to do. And they were in a country where they didn't speak the language. And there were a bunch of girls. So there was only one thing that they could do, and that's pray. And they were praying and asking God and saying, God, I need you for one full hour before someone walks up to them and says, God sent me, I heard God send me to you because you need a place to stay. And I was amazed at this story. And this person tells me, you know why we don't ask God or we don't need God in the same way? Because in Vancouver, when she comes back, she has everything she needs. She, she, she wakes up in the morning, takes her kid to school, drives the kid back, and if she wants something, she pulls out the credit card and puts it, the money on the credit card, and she just prays when she needs something that this city cannot give her. But there, she needed God in everything. And so she prayed, and so she came before him in humility and asked, God, I need you. This is the heart of wanting God that God is looking for. See, Jesus reaches out to those who truly yearn his presence. This is the image that we get from these verses. Not only seeking, not only to seek him when we need him in some things, but all the time. All the time. Do we need him? Do we need him in that way? And that's we say, God, come and save us because we are hungry and we are poor. Do we need him in that way? See, we're not always in need of him, and maybe that's the reason why we don't break out in song as often as we should. Right? But we see Mary the example of lowliness. We've seen the people of God, the example of need. Now this doesn't mean money is bad or authority is bad, but it is easier when we have those things to forget about our sense of need of God. And Jesus doesn't want us to forget about him. He certainly does not forget about us. He's mindful of us. Our last point, Jesus lifts up those who humbly need him. So as we come to a close, I want to share the story of someone that I know who lives like he wants God in everything. Now, we don't have to be this person, but I just want to share this story with you because I was surprised when I met him two years ago. This guy is someone who didn't have God, who ruined his life with drugs and money and other things, and he came to Christ Uh, by the grace of God and ever since he came to Christ he realized how much he needs God in everything when I met him a couple years ago we were going to this bachelor's party uh, in this camping trip and uh, I remember thinking that there was something really uh, weird about this guy because he would pray and ask God for everything he wanted God in every part of him so we are going in that trip, and uh, before, because it's a bachelor's trip, we are going to get the groom in his house. And uh, the idea was to tell the, 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 the owners of the house to open the door for us at 4 a.m. so that we go, bag my friend, put him in a bag, and then strap him in the trunk of the car and go on the camping trip. And as we were planning for that, and we're heading there with paper bags on our heads and two you know, holes for our eyes, this guy started praying, say, Lord... May we have fun, and may you take care of our friend that we're, you know, wrapping up in a bag and throwing in our trunk right now. I'm thinking, is this guy serious? Like, we're <laughs> And then we actually go in there, and it doesn't work out. We trip our lamps because there was no light. We can't see anything. And then we go in the car later on, and he starts praying, God, open the road for us as we head out into this camping trip so that we can enjoy ourselves. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, great, great, great. And as we're halfway to the road, he like, God, he shows us the quickest way to get there because... You know, we want, we, we want to be there soon, and we want to glorify your name, and we get there to a camping site where we didn't book, so they put us in the common lot, and then there's a lot of uh, tents there, and he's like, no, 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 this is not what God wants, and he's like, God, would you give us a better lot? I'm like, okay, come on, man, you got to stop praying about everything here, and he's like, no, 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 you don't know, we got to pray and ask God, and so he prays, and then for some reason, he goes online, and he finds this place, and he calls, and they have one place, one one lot left. So we get there, and uh, and then this owner, and the place, he like, say, okay, is this lot? You are not gonna fit four people. And I say, okay. We started talking about it, and he starts praying again. And he turns around, he prays, and he said, God, give us a better lot. So the owner says, without hearing him, hey, um, we have an RB lot. Maybe you guys want that lot, which is a lot better than what you have right now. It's high up there. It's like the first lot when you come in the site. We said, okay. So we put four tents where people would put a huge RV. We have four tents. People walk by and say, do you know the owner? How come he gave you this such a big lot? I'm like, no, actually we prayed. <laughs> we prayed because that's what we did because I don't know what. I did. And I said, okay, this is, this is getting crazy, right? And he keeps on praying every day. And we got in a boat to fish. And like four guys in a boat to fish. And you know, of everything that we brought to the camping trip, we forgot to bring uh, worms or tackle water or bait or anything. So we're on the boat and we're trying to fish with bread and sausages, which you know it doesn't work. Okay, it doesn't work. So we're thinking, okay, what are we gonna do? You know, and every place that we fish, there's no fish. And so we park it on the beach side and we have lunch. And this guy is praying. He's praying. He's saying, God, give us warmth so that we can catch fish. Otherwise, we won't have dinner tonight. I'm thinking he really wants God. This is the funny part. One of the guys, not a Christian, starts digging on the sand to see if there's worms. At that point, this guy gets on the boat. And he says, hallelujah, there's a worm on the boat. I mean, what are you talking about? We've been there for the whole morning. There was no worm. And we all walked to the boat and there is literally a worm in the middle of the boat this long. We tell our friend, we tell what you know, the, the guy, the non-Christian who was digging and say See, God answers prayers. And I was thinking, you're God answer his prayers because I wasn't wanting God that much in all this stuff. But he did. And we didn't catch anything that day. We go home and we are thinking, What are you gonna do for dinner? This is the funny part. I thought, I'm gonna try this. I started praying, God, give us something to eat. The RB next to us, the lady comes comes over and she says, I have this leftover lasagna for four people and we're four people and maybe you guys want this because you guys are boys and you guys are always hungry and we're like yes hallelujah i'm like oh it works when we want god he answers when we want god he delivers us when we want god he will show up we need to want god in the same way we need to be humble and say god i need you i need you and maybe you don't know that yet in your life but you can humble yourself and say god Will you speak to me? Will you come and change my life? Let's not do it ourselves. Let's let God do it for us. Because all these things that we have, the money, the power, all these things, the flesh will go away. But what Jesus is doing for us, lifting us up, will be forever. This is the theme that is repeated in Luke and Acts, if you read it. And that Jesus lifts up the humble and knocks down the proud. Now, at the beginning of this uh, message, I said, why does Luke include this account to his friend Theophilus? Why is this baby leaping and Mary's blessedness, salvation of those who need it so important? Because up to this point of the story right now, promises of God had been made. And in this section, in this little pause that we have, before the greater things to come, we need to pray and think how are we going to respond to the promises fulfilled are we ready to believe that the impossible is possible with God are we ready to believe God's promises in our lives and live as blessed are we ready to give up all that we have just to need him a little more are we in the right posture to hear the story of Jesus and let him change our lives forever This is a moment of remembering that the reason for our blessedness is Jesus Christ. Mary's reason for her blessedness was the pregnancy. Our reason is the Holy Spirit in us. Both will be fulfilled in the promises of God. Jesus came to lift up the lowly. But don't forget, he became lowly so that we could be lifted up. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have humbled yourself so that we could be lifted up. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you have given up yourself so that we could be saved. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you. And I pray that as you speak to us, let us learn this posture of humility in listening to you, in wanting you in everything in our lives, even when we think that we can do it ourselves. Father, we thank you that you deliver us. We thank you that you're speaking to us. And so help us in this little pause that we have reflect how can we need you more, Lord Jesus, and how you are part of our lives. Thank you for being mindful of us. Thank you you for being merciful of us. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
0: With every head bowed and every eye closed, so I want to invite you to respond to God through prayer. Today we've been hearing this powerful message from Pastor Jorge about how God lifts up the humble and he scatters the proud. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so here today I'm going to lead you in a couple rounds of prayer. And the first round is for those of you who find that you lack humility. We've been learning today about the importance of humility. That humility is not about looking down on yourself. It's not about being a doormat for others. But it's about putting others before you all the while being secure in who you are. And here in this place, maybe you are in a place where you lack humility. And if you find that you, know, you think, you know, I don't need God in this area, that's a clue that you lack humility. If you think, you know, I'm going to do things my way, not God's way, that's a clue that you lack humility. Maybe there's an area in your life today where you realize this morning that you need to start thinking about doing things God's way, asking for God's help, asking God to move instead of you doing things in your own strength. Maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's in your health, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in some other area of your life where you're really concerned, but you have yet to really humble yourself before God. If that's you today, we want to give you an opportunity to express Your need for God this morning, because when we express our need to God, we humble ourselves. When we express our need for God, we're giving God room to work in our lives in ways that we could not ourselves. And so, if that's you, why don't you just lift your hand to God on the count of three? If you realize today that you need to humble yourself in a certain area of your life, why don't you raise your hand to God in this place right now? We're gonna respond on the count of one, two, three. Why don't you raise your hand today? Just raise your hand to God if you realize today that you need a humble heart and a humble attitude and it comes to that area of your life. Why don't you start talking to God this morning? Start talking to God in your own words this morning, because he loves you. Oh how he loves you. Just start talking to God today. Ask God to move in that area of your life. Humble yourself before God in his presence, because he loves you. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.